You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next two guests uh, and I had an excellent time talking about their new film, Fanny, The Right to Rock. Its world premiere is going to be happening at Hot Docs. You're going to want to check it out. You're also going to want to stay tuned for the conversation. I'm hoping that's why you're here. Uh, but, but, but June Millington and Bobby Joe Hart, filmmaker, uh, producer, director, and I had, like I said, we, we, we just had a wonderful time together talking about uh, this piece of history uh, that that is just so important for us to to know about for for so many reasons. We talk about role models. June brings that up and and she talks about how back in the 60s and and, and the 70s there just there weren't role models out there for uh, an all-woman uh, rock band and so they became the role models. And you're going to want to hear why she talks about that and and you're going to want to hear why David Bowie has said quote one of the most important bands in American rock has been buried without a trace, close quote. We talk about exclusion and prejudice. We talk about why it was so important uh, that that Fanny, this band, were, were, were self-formed and self-taught. And I, I just think there, there's a lot of reasons why that's important. Maybe you're going to have to not only listen to the conversation, but watch the film to find out more why that is the case. We talk about uh, about about music as liberation and, and why it's the home plate for June and, and, and for the band. We talk about um, women in safe places. We talk about racism and, 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 and sexism and sadly how pervasive it was and frankly pernicious uh, at that time and, and, and still in so many places. And, and we talk about dreaming and why it's so important for young women to, to dream and to continue dreaming. We, we talk about those thoughts and those dreams and those successes as being coming coming right up, and and that might not even make any sense to you, but you'll 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 figure it out once June starts talking a little bit more about uh, that that inner compass that we all have, and and how courage is so important, and 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 why and how and when June disappeared into the music. So hopefully, I've I've captured your attention, and you're you're going to want to listen, you're going to want to lean in so much 
much going on here, way more going on than meets the eye. And, and, and just to put a period on that statement, you know, the, the, the film, uh, Bobby Joe Hart, this, this whole project started when she reached out online to, to find a guitar for her daughter. How cool is that? The little things make all the difference in the world. Um, so, so stay tuned, uh, check out the film hot dogs world premiere. If you miss it there, I hope you don't miss it there, but if you do, it's, it's going to have a wider release. I'm looking forward to, uh, meeting this band and, and getting and getting autographs, you know, uh, backstage after after the 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 world tour. Let's hope that that's happening in the not so uh, distant future. And and don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking and face to face live.ca. You can find oh boy, close to five hundred and I think we're close to five hundred and sixty interviews now. It's 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 kind of getting out of hand and, and in a good way. And uh, uh, the the popularity of the podcast is growing. Please please uh, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, leave a review for us on iTunes. Uh, for, forward it to your family and friends. And please, you know, if you can, socially mediate uh, uh, us as, as much as you possibly can. Face-to-face-live.ca for more uh, access. And, and like I said, a review on iTunes can mean all the difference in the world. But stay tuned for, for a really fun interview and important interview coming up with uh, Bobby Joe Hart and June Millington uh, talking about uh, the really fun, interesting, important new film, Fanny, The Right to Rock. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two very special guests here with us today. Face to Face Live, actually. Well, it's by the time you guys get to it, it won't be so live, but we've got Bobby Joe Hart with us and uh, June Millington here to, to talk about a new, uh, fascinating new film and a fascinating piece of history. Uh, uh, and we're going to get right into it in a second. But thank you to you both uh, for joining me here today on Face to Face. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us, Dave. Bobby Joe, tell us, tell us uh, what, what's the film? Give us a little bit of context before we step in world premiere at hot docs uh, film festival coming up in the not so distant future give us a little bit of context around the film and then i want to get right into it with 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 you both well i mean context is is that um one of the most important bands ever um has been written out of history in a lot of ways and um i discovered fanny serendipitously when I was looking for a guitar for my daughter on this Taylor guitar website and they had this section called stories and I clicked on it and up came this photo of this gorgeous woman with this flaming gray hair with this electric guitar um, that she had that she was holding and it was June Millington and below it was this story of this band Fanny this is about four or five years ago when I um, discovered the band and I was really upset. I was really mad that I didn't know about them. I was mad. My, my, my parents had LPs everywhere in the seventies when I was growing up and we were listening to so many amazing bands at the time and bands that Fanny toured with bands that Fanny jammed with, um, back in the day. And, but where were they on, on my parents' turntable? And so like all the films that I end up just passionately wanting to make, I just felt like, okay, people need to know about this band, this amazing, amazing band. So that's the initial context. And then 
things rolled from there. Things rolled from there. Well, listen, I got to tell you both, I absolutely love the film and I, I, I'm sure it's going to find a huge audience. I mean, it's so much fun. It's Can I say it's a road movie? It feels like a road movie. I felt like I was on tour a little bit. It really was cool. Uh, the, the images backstage. And anyway, I just I wanted to say uh, that it was uh, a lot of fun and, and I think a fascinating um, step back into um, some not so pleasant parts of our history, actually, which I'm sure we're going to get into as well. June, how do you feel being called one of the most important rock bands in 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 American history by 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 David Bowie and by so many others? Well, he's absolutely right. <laughs> so I feel I feel great about it. I don't feel like I'm uh, overblowing it one single bit because. We were the first all women or all female band to uh, sign to a major label and record albums. So we did four albums, four complete albums, uh, which started to be released in 1970. And uh, we worked so hard. We really were a great band. And we were actually on uh, pretty much every single um, national show that you can think of, including the Kenny Loggins show, which we flew up to Canada to do. And that was right after we played The Tonight Show, and that was right after we played Fillmore East in uh, in New York. And in between that, we played on the Sonny and Cher show. Uh, you know, we played Fillmore West. We played with everybody, really. And um, how people could not have heard about Fanny is still kind of beyond me, because um, not only were we everywhere, you know, we played on all the major TV shows. We recorded it at Apple, the Beatles studio. One of the, you know, their offices were right above the studio with Jeff Emmerich, who was their recording engineer, and he loved working with us. How could you not have heard of us? But apparently a lot of people didn't, and they're writing in now to complain about that very fact. So to get back to your question, David was absolutely right. He was a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sure sounds like he was a huge fan. Well, I think what's really beautiful about about the, the, who you've I would love to hear who said who, who wasn't able to make it into the film, Bobby Joe, but you've got quite a group of people, quite an eclectic group of people from Fanny's past that have spoken about them as 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 influences. And, and just, you know, I was going to say the splash, but that's not the right word at all. But the influence, the impact, the impact that Fanny had. On, on the B-52s, on Bonnie Raid, on, I mean, I love the fact that, 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 that Joe Cocker was sitting at your dining room table. I mean, it's just like, wow, you, you guys were everywhere. You guys were everywhere. And yet, as I think right out of the gate, Bobby Joe, you tell us this, this was, this wasn't a man's game, but Fanny was here to prove otherwise. Absolutely. I mean, I think June can speak to this better than I can. She was living it, you know, in flesh and blood back in, in the day. Right, June? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when we first got to Hollywood, it was uh, May of May of 69. And we had been in uh, a couple of, you know, kind of teenage all-girl bands since 65, Jean and myself, with different girls. And by the time we got to LA and Hollywood in 69, we were a well-seasoned band. See, here's the thing that uh, people may not realize. We were a 
self-formed, self-contained band, okay? Uh, a lot of other all-girl bands were put together actually by guys who had this idea. In fact, I remember when Kim Folly ran up backstage at the Whiskey A Go-Go and said to me, June, June, I, I got it. I'm going to form a band just like you guys, all girls, and, but they're going to make a lot of money. He made this, that distinction, right. but they're going to make a lot of money. And, you know, you know, maybe he was right, but he did make, make that distinction. And everybody knew who we were. I mean, even, uh, you know, the 13th Street, uh, what is it? Um, I, I can't forget the name. Uh, but, you know, I mean... For example, the guitar that I have now, my 57 Les Paul, that was owned by the replacement guitar player in Steppenwolf. So that guitar, you know, played Steppenwolf hits. For example, we played with the Staples Singers. We played with Dr. John the Night Dripper. You know, um, we played just about with, we played with Papa John Creech. We played with the Meters, you know. I mean, we played with them. We didn't play with the Rolling Stones and we didn't play with the Beatles. I guess those would be the two bands that, you know, oh, and the Who, but we met them. Oh, I mean, we met everyone. But what I'm saying is that uh, we made our mark. We definitely made our mark. And before he passed away, our road manager, Mark Hammerman, said to me, you know, Jim, do you realize that wherever you played, the band that you were opening up for, of course, we were always opening up for the other band, right? They would be lining up the side of the stage just watching you open mouth. And I said, no, I didn't know that because, I mean, I was working, right? Uh, I could not have an off night. I always have to play, had to play my best. But, you know, the very first big gig we did was opening for the Kinks at the Santa Monica Civic. Well. Now, that's, you know... I mean, we played with everyone. Well, I, w I was struck by how, uh, Bobby Joe, you, you included that a couple times, I think, in the film where people would say things like, I, I, was it, was it uh, Jeff Baxter from Steely Dan who introduced you and said he, he had to sort of turn around and look back at the stage? Who did I just introduce? You know, like what what's what what's going on on stage, right? I thought they were an all girl band, you know, right? Like there was some sort of negative uh, connotation or something, but was blown away by the sound. I think that's a that's a that's a really cool thing. Yeah, he's that was he's referring to the well different moments. There was the interview where we were together with Jeff Skunk Baxter uh, in Anaheim, June, and then. When he introduced you guys at the She Rocks Awards, that's when we, we have a clip from that in the film where he mentions that anecdote of turning around and like, you know, going off after their sound check and like, who, who the hell is that? Yeah, like, what's going crazy. on? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's, there's just so, everyone had such amazingly positive and transformative things to say about the man, including Joe Elliott, lead singer of Def Leppard. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would say Joe's a fan. I would say Joe's disc. a fan. He still has his flexi disc. I know, know that's a great shot. The, the, is that the 45? Yeah. That yeah. He, wonderful he moment. He literally has saved it. And, and, you know, when he was describing putting on that 45 and, and on, you know, and on one side was the Rolling Stones, the other side was Blind Alley by Fanny. 
And the way he broke down how that song starts and, and, and you'll, you'll see June and, and it just, it's like when he was breaking it down the interview, I'm just like, okay, man, we've got to like, we've got to use that because it was just so visceral. You just felt like you were there with him. Yeah. And um, it was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was such a privilege to, to be hearing all these stories from different people and, and a privilege, especially to spend time with, with June and, and bandmates. June, you, you, I think it's Brie who says in the film that at some point, and I don't know if it was sort of the reunion or when it was, but she was with her family again. Do, do you feel, I mean, it looks like you're sitting in a studio there. Are you really only at home when you're on stage, when you've got that 57 Les Paul in your hands? Is that, is that really when you're at home? I mean, I can't say the it's the only time I'm at home, but I can say for sure it's the only time I disappear. Right. You know, there's there's that actual actual place where you are into the thing, into all the vibrations, into the main vibe, and you literally disappear. And, you know, for me, that's the home plate moment. You don't remember it, and yet it feels so good. It's, it's kind of kind of hard to explain but that is that's the moment you're always looking for i mean it's kind of like being a drug addict you know you want that first hit right <laughs> what was that first hit when you disappeared oh it felt so good i want that again yeah there's something there's something about um finding a place where you're where you're embraced where you're included you know where you, where you kind of feel enveloped, right? And I just, I kind of thought that's sort of what Brie was getting at, you know, I'm with my family. And I mean, I've spent a bit of time on stage. I, I enjoy it, but, but I don't get quite the sense. Uh, Bonnie Ray talked about, I think it was uh, the, the attitude that you guys had. You just sort of, you know, you stepped into it. It just came so easily, right? I think that's a really interesting creative well, thing. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. Uh, one thing would be great to point out is that before Fanny came on the scene, which we weren't even called Fanny when we signed the contract in 69, we were wild honey. We became Fanny in uh, 1970. But for, so, so, so from 65 to 69, literally, it's kind of hard to describe it, but we had no role models. I know it's hard. <laughs> People say, well, you know, what was it like back then? I mean, uh, as if... 19 even let's say 60 60 67 is like 2020 21 there is absolutely no place where we overlap with those years because we had no role models mm. so finally what we had to do was create our own frame imagine a picture frame but it's there's nothing in it you know there's nothing in it so we couldn't see a reflection of ourselves, certainly nobody else. I mean, what, the Supremes? I don't think so. I mean, they were great, but come on, you know, Martha and the Vandellas come and get these memories. No, they were not playing their own instruments, right? So what happened was finally we had to step into the frame and become the role models. And that wasn't so easy. You know, it was little by little. How do we do it? We worked every day. I mean, Jean and I got really great grades, you know, B plus, A, A plus, but we were sneaking out at night and going to the other girls' houses, 
And I mean, literally, we jumped out of our bedroom window and drove to the, you know, to the next suburb over. I love I love the line in the middle of the night. I love the line of sorority with electric guitars. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, and you cannot mess with that. You cannot <laughs> mess with that. It's so powerful. People don't realize how powerful it is when girls get together, let's say from age 14, 15, 16, 17 on and create a band. That is, you know, it's like almost like making a baby. You know, it's one of the most powerful forces in the universe I can't say that, you know, we're literally in utero, but it's very similar because you are creating yourself. So when I say that we stepped into the frame, I'm saying that that was really powerful. It took a few years, but all of a sudden we realized, hey, that's us. We recognized ourselves in the frame. And now with Bobby Joe's film, people are starting to get an idea that we actually did exist. Look how long it took for society to catch up with us. You know, that was the problem. People just couldn't take take it. They just could not take that we were girls. And I've, I've actually had people write and say, you know, I'm so sorry. I saw you at the whiskey when I was a teenager, boys. But we couldn't admit you were better than us. So we put you down. Wow. You know? So that kind of thing happened. And okay, that's it's nice that you're apologizing now, but make that times a hundred thousand you know make that times however many people just could not take it on the other hand there's at least a thousand people who know exactly where they were standing when they first saw or heard fanny you know i had this guy wrote to me said you know the first day i went to work i think in england someplace at a record store i was on acid <laughs> you guys came on and i just lost it you know, so there are a lot of those moments as well, but not enough to overcome the fact that people could not take what they saw in that frame. They couldn't take it. You know, they would put us down and say, oh, they're okay, or they're derivative. Boy, do I hate that. Derivative. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. So there, the, the, the put-downs come in so many different ways. June, I love I love your passion. You talk about your determination in the film as well. And and do you think you know becoming the role models? I think that's a really interesting comment. Um, you talk about writing intelligent rock music, and I thought that was mm -hmm. awesome as well and really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, about did did you feel that you had a bit of a responsibility? You know, amongst all the crazy, the sorority like craziness and the rock and roll craziness. Did you feel that you still had a, a bit of a responsibility as writers, as artists, as as performers and entertainers? Yeah, well, the short answer to that is yes. The long answer to that is I've always been an intellectual who was interested in poetry and, you know, uh, different kinds of music. So when I wrote Think About the Children, for example, I wasn't preaching to people. That was actually something that I felt deeply you know are you ready to think about the children to think about somebody else you know for a 20 or 21 year old girl to say that in 19 well we recorded that at apple so 1971 that was a big deal mm. and now people are definitely catching up to that and i'm so proud of that song but you know as compared to what the girls and the next 
bands were singing about, you know, in terms of the theme, you, you can't even compare them. Apples and oranges, they just don't, they don't mix. And I'm proud of my songs, I'm proud of our songs. We definitely had something to say, but we didn't talk about, oh, we have something to say. Right. We wrote about what interested us and what was moving our hearts and our spirits, our passions. We were very much in an orb. You could call it the fanny orb. <laughs> I mean, you really could. The fanny orb. I don't think that comes up in the film, does it, Bobby Joe? <laughs> I, I don't Let's think that was <laughs> I don't think those exact words were used, but I, I think you just feel the orb. You, you know? do. You see it and you feel it. It's, it's so true. omnipresent. It's yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That could be the, like, maybe that's going to be a yeah, fan base. Yeah, take that orb and rub it, you know. <laughs> Bobby Joe, so you're you're looking for a guitar for It'll your daughter. The Christmas. So, so you're looking for a guitar for your daughter. Um, what What kind of pulled you in? when when you first started learning a bit more about fanny what what was it that grabbed you was it the lyrics was it the music was it just sort of that wow no one has heard of these guys. i want i want to change that i want to i want to i want to tell this story well i mean the first thing that pulled me in when i was on that guitar website looking for a guitar for my daughter you know and like i mentioned uh earlier on the website was a section called stories. And so I clicked on that. And the first thing that grabbed me was this woman, was this woman with this flaming gray hair that was just rocking out. It just, it just she wasn't even necessarily rocking out. It was just, she, she was rock. She just, she, <laughs> rock and roll was just <laughs> oozing from her, you know? I mean, rock was lucky to have her. Right, it's <laughs> it, great. She just had this flaming hair, this electric guitar, and I just, I was mesmerized, I have to say. There was, a, there was a real, real presence there. Yeah, it was like, it was like a deity. It was like seeing, um, you know, just like, it was, I was blown away, like, okay, my God, okay, yes, there's other women that I've seen in rock and roll, but I had not seen this woman before personally. And then when I started reading about Fanny and and David Bowie. I mean, he's been, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like so vocal about the band. Then just all, and then when I just started looking up the songs, you know, or on YouTube or or and playing what I what I could get my hands on or my ear on, um, the lyrics, you know, they're they're so deep, they're so affecting, and the you know, their musicianship is so incredible. I mean. I'm a, a child of 80s rock and roll. That's when I was in high school, you know, when Joe Elliott and Def Leppard were out. I mean, I was a huge sure. Def Leppard fan, man. Sure, same. And ACDC and-, and Bring it on the heartbreak. Dead. And I get just, you know, um, Pat Benatar, like, like these different women that, you know, and men at the, in the 80s. But um, I had the honor to be able to rediscover a band that I should have known about. You know, and lots, but as Jim was saying earlier, lots of people do know about Fanny. It, there, there, there's a fan base that is incredible. I mean, if you go to YouTube, there's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of clicks on some of these oh, videos. Oh, absolutely. And, and the fans that are writing or just writing below the YouTube uh, trailer of the film, 
You know, it's just like, it's about time. They should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like I was, yeah, absolutely. I was at this place and saw you at this date at this, you know, venue. And I mean, it's so, so for me, I mean, that was the moment I was drawn in by that photo. But then, as I said, you know, the, the musicianship, the rocking vibe, you know, it just, I love rock and roll from what I grew up with. And it just grabbed me. It just it grabbed me and it wouldn't let go. Yeah, that's cool. That's amazing. Well, there is something about that presence for sure. You, you know, June, um, I, I don't know how to say this. The, there's a there's a rebellious side to rock and roll, obviously. There's a sense of your passion comes through in the interview here today, and, and it certainly comes through in your music. And 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 the, the the sexism, the prejudice, the racism that you had to deal with along the way was were, were you a I don't know. Were you rebellious before all of that? Or, and maybe rebellious is not the right word. Maybe that's not even fair. Were you just the type of person to step into it and to say, you know what? No, I'm pushing back against this. And, 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 and we're going to step into this and we're not giving up. No, not at all. I was a nice Filipina girl who just wanted to make a few friends. I mean, that was it. If I could make a few friends, people who would talk to me, you know, when I, I wrote my first song that we ever performed in junior high at the variety show, it's called Miss Wallflower 62. I mean, that says <laughs> it great. all. That sounds like a Bob Dylan uh, song. Miss, That's great. <laughs> exactly. But um, kids at whom I didn't know and who never gave me a second look, uh, I'd be walking to a hall, they'd go, oh, I really like that song. And then just keep walking. And I thought, oh my God, did they just talk to me? You know, <laughs> it was shocking and it was liberating. It mm. liberated something in me and it gave me the knowledge that music was the thing. Music, actually, you referred to home before. Music actually was the home. Yeah, it's good. Music Love was it. the home plate that everybody could relate to. Nobody can escape music. If you love a piece of music, if you love a guitar riff, Anything that you hear that you'd like to sing when you wake up in the morning, you can't escape it. It's in your heart. It's in your DNA. It's part of you. So uh, that put me in touch with everything. You know, I was not a rebel. Are you kidding? However, as I started or as we started to, and it's, this is in my book, Land of a Thousand Bridges, as we started to really come up against, and I'll say the word misogyny because that is actually what, what the biggest thing that that came up and in the book i talk about our band the svelts playing at a teen center and by the way i remember when teen centers started there was a point in time where there were no teen centers there were just like high school gigs fraternity gigs and vietnam war gigs like you'd play the officers club that was much. then you had oh my gosh you had teen clubs a lot more gigs opened up, you know, and you know that was really important to us. And and um, once we started to play at these little teen clubs, I remember one one time we we're wearing our matching outfits. We all had like you know the pink velour tops and the purple skirts and the pink shoes. And these this one particular boy kept following me around, trying. He was he was looking up my skirt, and he was egging the guys by him to look up my skirt. They just figured they could get away with it, you know. After a couple of moves where I moved to the right or to the, I just kicked him in the face with my 
high heels, you know, nice. and that was the end Good of that. For I really, you. Oh, I, 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 I didn't, even, I didn't say a word, but what took the place of that as I got older. So let's say I was 15, 16 then. By the, by the time I got to 22, 23, 24, I just turned up and got better. That's it. That was my rebellion. I'm better than you, MF. You know, I was talking to Earl Slick, you, know, you probably know, the guitar player with David Bowie and John Lennon. He's here right now. And we were sitting out in the sun talking, you know, and we were talking about how it doesn't really matter, you know, uh, what you say, just do it. Just do it and be the best. So you don't even good. have to be the loudest. But, you know, like uh, Bobby Joe mentioned the song Blind Alley earlier. When when I got to L.A. in, in 69, I wasn't even a lead guitar player. I learned how to play lead guitar in a year because I had to, our lead guitar player. But I didn't know how to get that tone on Blind Alley. You know, it was people like Lowell George and Skunk Baxter and Elliot Randall. We were all creating what we now called classic rock guitar sounds we were creating them back then see what i'm talking about so you literally cannot cause the these years to overlap because there are certain things that didn't uh exist back then they were birthing themselves yeah it's good you you, you around the point there's a point in the film i hope this is okay bobby joe it's not really i'm i don't think i'm tipping too much here but there's a point where you talk about being involved in kids programs and back to that whole role model thing and and i think you say something like and it really stuck with me you, you need and you were just talking about stepping in an attitude of singing out i think was your phrase june an attitude mm -hmm. of singing mm -hmm. out and to me that was like oh we could build a campaign around that yeah, you know, yeah. like, is, is that what you mean about that? Like, that's just be intentional, show up? Well, I think what Bobby Joe was saying when she, saw, when she saw that photograph of me, of course, that was a photo. You couldn't hear me play. You couldn't right. hear me sing or say anything. But my attitude was emanating. And I think that's what you're referring to. That's at the center of it all. That speaks the loudest, really. Yeah, it's good. But hey, Bobby Joe, when when you stepped into to making this film, did you have a sense that you were going to make a film uh, that would be so timely as well as just fun and interesting and important in in a historical way, but also timely from a you know speaking into racism, speaking into that whole sexism a piece of it? Was that on your mind? Well, I mean it's always on girls and women's minds because we live it, you know, whether it's me too, or stop Asian hate, or, you know, there's women have been battling um, for, you know, a safe place in society for centuries. And um, so, I mean, just the title of the film, you know, um, Fanny, the right to rock, you know, that to me, like we're standing on the shoulders, you know, June and I and, and my 16 year old daughter and girls and women everywhere. We're, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of women who fought and bled for women to have the right to vote, you know, and that 100th anniversary just recently passed. And so to me, Fanny, you know, all girls, women that have, you know, followed in the footsteps of Fanny, you know, they are, Fanny literally fought and bled and 
and kicked butt to fight for the right to rock, you know, and, and they helped give all, you know, a lot of the bands that are in the film that followed them, whether it's the Runaways, you know, or B-52s or the Go-Go's, like they, the, the, the rep, the, the women that spoke in the film about Fanny, you know, recognize that they're standing on Fanny's shoulders, that they, you know, and so, you know, and June is playing it, you know, as, as she says, playing it forward, you know, um, at Good. IMA, the Institute for the Musical Arts, you know, where my own daughter has been at their rock camps and they're amazing. And I mean, it's just, it's, I call it kind of, it, it's not underground, but it kind of is because as Bonnie Raitt says in the film, they were doing girls rock camps long before anybody else thought about it. So, so great. Um, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Playing it forward should be the name of the world tour, June, that you're going to be going on in the near future. Sounds good to me. I'm all for it. <laughs> so, so hey, we're probably going to wrap it up soon, but but I do have a couple more questions I'd love to ask you. Are you are you going on tour in in in, in anytime soon? Well, I, I don't have any particular plans, but I'm certainly open to it. You know, the world is in such a crazy place right now that it's difficult for anyone to make any plans. All I can say is I'm open to it. It would be great because I love to play. When when was the last time you were playing a few riffs on that Les Paul? Uh, probably two months ago. I actually wrote a couple of songs, three songs in... Uh, uh, late January after the inauguration, it was like the top of my head blew off. And uh, one of the songs actually that I wrote is um, "Girls Don't" is "Girls Don't Dream." Parentheses the lie, and I feel really strongly about that particular song, "Girls Don't Dream." And I really am putting it out there. You know, of course I'm refuting it, but the right. fact that we really we're not even allowed to dream uh is a big deal and people may not realize that that was not so long ago it's really not so long ago you're absolutely right this is what i so love about the film i love that about you and the band and and how you push back and how how, how you stuck it out you know that you had the determination to to, to go there um um i, I just I, wanted to jump yeah, in and go. say something real quick is that you were asking June about, you know, going on tour, but, but there is a special event that, that, you know, people can um, be part of and watch and, and step into on May 5th. There's um, Fanny is doing a, a their, their bandmates are doing a, a pocket concert with some really amazing special guests. And um, June has orchestrated this whole, you know, one of the songs uh, that she wrote, you know, one and, and, and orchestrated these, this uh, amazing collaborations within that. So um, I highly recommend that people, it's, if they go to Hot Docs um, website and it's, it's May 5th pocket concert, you can actually buy a ticket for that specific event. And um, people around the world, uh, across Canada, around the world can tune into that. And I also want to mention that when you're asking about June's riffs, um, the opening riff in the film is a June Millington original riff that she actually recorded when we were in post-production. She recorded a lot of 
amazing riffs um, <laughs> that we used uh, in varied places in the film, which was so uh, such a fun collaboration for that I enjoyed and our our um, and Danielle Toussaint who did our sound mix and some original music uh, vibe as well. But uh, that opening riff is is June Millington. It's cool. I, FYI. That's that's so awesome, uh, Bobby Joe. I gotta say, I love Thanks. I love the last shot too of the film. By the way, that that uh, get that uh, bird's eye, God's eye view, bird's eye view shot of the of the car with these women just they're very Thelma and Louise. It's awesome. Um, hey June, just as we wrap up, I think it was you who said the, that the metaphor of rocking was something like having the fearlessness to try. Is can, can you just chat a tiny bit about that as, you know, to, to this idea of dreaming and, and, and I don't know, young women of the future. My daughter's 13. I mean, there's so much she could take from, from a film like this as well, from your story, you know, the stuff that you guys had to deal with and went through. Well, you could say it's a metaphor, but it's actually not. It's real. Because having the courage to dream and move towards actualizing your dream. And when someone causes you to stumble or you lose your own, uh, you know, your your own sort of inner compass and you keep going, this is what we teach at our rock and roll girls camps, that uh, you pick yourself up, you keep going because there's always the next thought, the next dream, the next moment, the next success. Do not worry about your little, you know, I failed. You know, girls, I think, kind of, um, you know, think about that too much. Think about your next success because it is a second away. Your next thought is a success, you know? And, and I really believe in that. This is, this is not a metaphor. This is for real. So I believe that rock and roll is a place where you can put your hat on a hook or whatever that says courage mm. courage just to have the courage and then the next thing could be believe and then you know whatever your your words are that give you that next give you the gift of the next moment and it is always there Wow, it's great. Who who would have thought such great advice would come from a rock and roll musician? This is this is this is wonderful news. And, and listen, I'm looking forward to getting your autograph backstage in the in the not so distant future. I hope that's that's happening. Um, I don't know later this year, early next year. I'm deadly serious, deadly serious, June. It's been a, a super a ridiculous pleasure having you guys on the show. Thank thank you so much. Uh, world premiere, Fanny coming up at Hot Docs. Uh, it's going to hopefully be uh, available for the world to see in the not so distant future. Bobby Joe, uh, thank you for joining me here today on Face to Face. June Millington, what a pleasure having you here uh, with me chatting about Fanny and so many other things. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.